Have you guys ever been really, really angry or got angry and then you've got angry with yourself because you got angry? Has that ever happened to any of you? Happened to me. Uh, Has anyone here ever not been angry? All right. All of us have probably experienced being angry at some point in our life. And what does it take to get you angry? Is it when someone... Uh, offends you or someone pushes in at the shopping trolley line or you know you've found that last car park and someone just dives in just before you do is that what makes you angry or is it the thing that makes you angry when you see people suffering unjustly and your anger is more at what's going on out there rather than how you've been offended there's different types of anger some of us might get angry when we get ripped off or when a promise gets broken Uh, while others of us might get angry when we see an injustice or we see something happening in the world that's not right. Maybe it's when powerful people hurt the powerless people. Different sorts of things will cause us maybe to get angry. Uh, Today, what we're going to do, we're going to find out what Jesus has to say about anger. We're going to look at Jesus get angry and we're going to see what is it that makes Jesus angry. We're also going to discover some unhealthy ways of dealing with anger. I want to share some of my own personal unhealthy ways of being angry, and I hope that you learn from them and that you don't put them into practice. And then we're going to look at what Jesus says about anger and how we are to put into practice the way to deal with it. So that's that's where we're going today. I used to think that it was a sin to be angry. I I, I used to think anyone who's angry, that's wrong, that's a sin. But the Bible actually says that we are to be slow to get angry, which is another way of saying that there is a time when it's okay to be angry. And the Bible also says this, that in your anger, do not sin. So the the writers of the Bible assume that we will get angry, but that it's possible that our anger can lead to wrong and lead to sin. Anger is a very common emotion. Just about everyone in the world experiences it. And usually the times that we get angry is normally when someone offends us, when we personally have someone let us down. And often it's because we have an expectation and that person hasn't met that expectation. And so what does Jesus say about anger? And today we're going to look at particularly anger in personal relationships because that is what Jesus speaks about when he talks about anger. One of the things about Jesus is that he knows everything about us and he knows that we will get angry and so one of the very first things that he speaks about, the very first life issue that Jesus speaks about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, the very first life issue he speaks about after the Beatitudes is anger, anger management, anger in personal relationships. It's the first thing because he knows that that's what we need to hear. And so let's have a look at what Jesus said. In Matthew 5, 21 to 22, he says this, you've heard that it was said to the people long, long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And then Jesus says, but I tell you, and this, when Jesus says that, he's saying, I have more authority than what the law says. I've actually come to fulfill it. But he says, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, he says, anyone who says 
to a brother or sister, raka. Now, raka is a word that means idiot, blockhead, numbskull, just to name a few. If anyone uses that word to describe someone, Jesus says, you're answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Pretty strong words of Jesus, aren't they? These words that he's saying. And uh, when you look at it, when we hear about murder, when we, have you ever, ever done this? You've seen the news or you've heard about a murder. You know, there was one at Manly the other day. Uh, you know, you see the news and you hear about a murder. And sometimes you hear the descriptions of the murder and you go, how is it possible that someone could do such a horrible, horrible thing? Sometimes that's our reaction. How is it possible that someone could do such a horrible thing? And then Jesus actually asked the question, have you ever been angry in a personal relationship? And the answer is yes. And then Jesus says something, basically he says this, anger in personal relationships is the same as murder. Now, right now, you're looking at that and you're hearing that, and some of you are actually starting to get angry maybe with me. Because you're thinking, how is it possible, Barry, that you would say something like that? Because that's what Jesus said. And when Jesus said that, I think when his audience probably got angry with him. Because what Jesus does and what he does in the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to look at one of the most challenging messages for our life today, it's Matthew 5, 6 and 7, because he challenges us to the very heart and core of who we are and helps us see that, yet we might not be murderers and we might not be robbers and we might not be adulterers, but gee, there's, there's lust, there's pride, there's stealing, there's thoughts of coveting, there's a desire to get what that person wants and have it ourselves. And Jesus gets to the very heart of the issue and says, guess what? All of us are guilty. All of us need God's grace. All of us at the bottom line, there's something wrong in our heart and we need help. We need rescuing. And that's part of the reason Jesus says this message on anger and a whole heap of other topics in the Sermon on the Mount, which we won't get into today. But when you hear that, it helps us see, you know what? Anger is serious business, and it's something that we need to deal with. Have you ever called someone an idiot, a numbskull? I'm sure we have. I'm sure if we haven't said it, we probably thought it. And Jesus says, that's not on. Anger is a problem in our heart, and we must deal with it. And, 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 and some of us are thinking, hang on a minute, didn't Jesus get angry? Yeah, he did. Jesus got angry at evil and injustice. And what we're going to do today is just have a look at what Jesus got angry about. He, Jesus expressed his anger at least twice in the temple courts. Um, one of them was at the beginning of his ministry. It's recorded in John chapter 2. The other time was at the end of his three-year ministry, uh, which is recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Jesus was in the temple courts and... Uh, what happened, before, just before we get to that, just to set the scene, what happened is that Jerusalem would be a population of about 40,000 people. And then every year there was this special Passover feast and people would come to Jerusalem 
from all over Israel, they'd come there and they'd offer God a sacrifice. They would, you know, bring a, a cow or a sheep or some doves and they would offer this sacrifice to remember and thank God for rescuing them out of Egypt, the Passover, which happened thousands of years earlier. And they would do this annual, they'd have this big annual worship event in Jerusalem. It was a pretty, pretty big thing. And uh, the temple courts were a place where people would come to pray, come to thank God. And the temple courts, the outside of the temple, was a place where even people that weren't Jews could come and pray. And, and, and what happened was that this area of the temple had turned into a market. Uh, basically, the religious leaders of the day said, there's a way for, for there's, there's, a, there's a thing we need to do. Because we've got people traveling from all over the area to Jerusalem, a lot of them can't bring their own cows or sheep or doves. So let's set up a market and we'll have the merchants sell them the cows and the sheep and the doves, and they will be pure, and then they, and, and those animals have to be unblemished, they have to be perfect, so they made sure the perfect ones were there. And then what they did, people would travel, and they would sell them at an exorbitant price. And then there was also their money changes, and the money changes would, see, the, the, the currency of the day was, you know, there was the Roman currency, there were other currencies, but in the temple, the the the, there was a different currency that needed to be used. And so when you go to another country and you have to use another currency, uh, what do you often do? You go to the money exchange and you change your currency. And, what, and sometimes they charge a fee, and that's fair enough. There's a small fee to be charged and maybe a little profit for them to work on. But the currency traders, the money changers in the temple area, were charging exorbitant prices it was, it was like highway robbery. It was just terrible. And they were being unethical and they were there uh, for themselves. So here's what happens. What I've done today is just combined the story in John and the story in Matthew so that we can get a sense of what's happened and because the records of these two events are very similar. So let's have a look at what it says. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He entered the temple courts where he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves. And others were sitting at tables exchanging money. Jesus made a whip out of cords and he drove out all who were there buying and selling. All who were buying and selling there. He drove out the sheep and the cattle. He, he scattered the coins of the money changers. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. To those who sold the doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. And then it goes on, and the blind and the lame came to Jesus at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children who were shouting out in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were angry. Do you know why Jesus was angry? The reason Jesus was angry is because he, the, the hearts of the people overseeing the work of the temple weren't right. Jesus was seeing that there was something wrong. Uh, people were dishonoring the purpose of the temple, which was for worship and prayer and ministry, 
and they were treating people unfairly. You see, the hearts of the merchants were wrong. Those that sold the cows and the sheep and the doves, they were there and they saw the people as an opportunity for personal gain. They saw those people as an opportunity for personal profit. They saw the temple for what they could get out of it rather than what they could give to it. And and here's the thing. Here's what they did. They prioritized profit over prayer. They pursued wealth more than worship. Making money was more important than ministry. Dollars from people was more important than the destinies of people. And when children ran and shouted in the temple courts about who Jesus is, the religious leaders got angry. Now, this does not happen at all in society today, does it? Does it? Jesus got angry and he drove them out. He scattered the money everywhere. He drove the animals out and he overturned the tables. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be in the temple and to have Jesus with the money changers and he flipped the table? The table was already broken, by the way. (laughs) Can you imagine the drama of that? And can you imagine the shock of what was going on in the temple? Imagine what it would have been like for them to experience that. And Jesus does this to help people recognize that this whole system that was mistreating people, that the whole system needed to be overturned because the tables and the money changers represented a system that was oppressing people, that wasn't honouring to God, that wasn't fulfilling the very purpose of the temple, which was worship and prayer and ministry. And Jesus upturns the whole system. Very powerful thing that Jesus is doing here. And so here's what else happens. Jesus, by the way, in his getting the whip, he never flogged anyone with the whip. He never um, hurt a person. He might have shocked a few people. Um, But do you know what happened once Jesus cleared the temple? The lame and the blind and the lepers, they came in. And do you know what happened next? Jesus healed them. And there is something about Jesus' anger that we need to see. Jesus' anger leads to healing. Our anger often leads to hurt. But Jesus' anger leads to healing. And when we see Jesus' anger at evil and injustice, the purpose of his anger is to bring about restoration, to bring about things the way they're meant to be, not the way that they are. He upturns the whole system to help people see what's really, really important. So when you look at Jesus... And what he values, here's what Jesus values. Jesus values ministry over money. Jesus valued people and prayer over profit. Jesus valued worship over wealth. Jesus valued destinies over dollars. He valued children running around in the temple courts telling others about Jesus 
more than he did the opinions of the religious leaders. Well, now I've not always dealt with my anger in the way Jesus does. There's a couple of different ways that I've dealt with my own anger in the past and I want to share a couple with you just so you can realise that the pastor is human after all. My anger has varied from stewing to spewing or from spewing to stewing. Let me explain. There's a spewing anger. Now, that's not I literally spew, but what that spewing anger is is when I vertically, I ventilate. Uh, and I express my anger. And as a younger guy um, who loved to win every game of tennis that I played, Rob, um, every single game, when I would play my games of tennis, I would lose my nana. I would break the racket. I would throw the racket over the 12-foot high fence. I would get angry because I'm here to win and no one's going to take that from me. And I'd, get, I'd lose my call because why was that? Well, part of it was because I was a 14-year-old teenage boy and didn't have the development of, in the brain yet to actually control my anger. That was part of the reason. But anger was controlling me rather than me being in control of my anger. And, and, and spewing anger is not a healthy anger. The Bible says this, and I'm guilty of this. Proverbs 29.11 says this, a fool gives full vent to his anger, and yes, there's been times I've been the fool. But a wise man keeps himself under control. Really important to get control. Proverbs 14 verse 17 says this, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. I'm not going to talk about what's going on in the media this week, because you know what goes on in the media this week? Guess what? It's just a reflection of sometimes what's going on in here. Isn't it? And that's the danger that we have. That's the danger we have. We can look and go, oh, that person shouldn't have done this and that. But guess what we need to do? We need to go, but what about me? What's Jesus saying about me? That's why Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, don't murder. And Jesus is saying, hang on a minute, but if you've got anger in your own heart, you're just as guilty as murder of some... Of, of, and we get angry with Jesus because he says that. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Then there's stewing anger. That's another type of anger. And this is, uh, and, and as I've got older, I've gone from being a spewer to a stewer. And the stewing anger is when you, you don't express the anger, you just hold it in. You, you, you bury it in and you, you store it up inside you. And, and, and it's not healthy either because... It can lead to disillusionment, depression, discouragement, because you haven't been able to have an opportunity to express your anger well and properly. But we've got to deal with it. So let's deal with anger the way Jesus says to. Let's have a look at what he says. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, Jesus says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, in those times, the most important thing for someone in their relationship with God was going to the temple and worshipping God and giving that sacrifice, that Passover. That was the that was most important thing in their life. Bringing, bringing a gift to God was the most important part of people's worship. And here, Jesus says, sorry, Andrew, 
Jesus says, sorry, Kieran. Sorry, anyone in the worship team. Sorry to all of us. Here, Jesus says there is a time not to worship. There is a time to put off going to the temple. There is a time not to go to church. There is a time not to pray. There is a time not to do the religious or spiritual thing that we do in honouring God. There's a time to stop that, Jesus says, and to get it right with the person that you know has something against you or the person that you know you're angry with. Jesus says, stop. Sort out that personal relationship. Sort out the anger in this personal relationship. And that, my friends, it's not easy, but it's important and necessary. There was a time when I knew there was this guy who had something against me, and I went and saw him. I, you know, I woke up early one Sunday morning, and I rang him up, and I said, mate, we've got a chat before church today. And he said, really? And I said, yep, I've just been reading Matthew 5, 23, 24. And he said, really? So I went and had a chat with him, and we sorted out whatever it was, and then we went to church. Challenge, isn't it? Challenge for us uh, to do. Jesus is saying it's more important. He says, be reconciled as soon as possible. That's what he's saying. Whatever's most important in your life, stop it and get reconciled. Be reconciled as soon as possible. Then Jesus goes on and he says this. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you'll not get out until you've paid the last penny. Now, we don't have to go into all the defamation cases that are going on in our world today, but wouldn't it have got a lot... Wouldn't have, it wouldn't have got to that if people could just settle their issues more quickly. And Jesus actually says, when there's anger in a personal relationship, do whatever you can to settle the matter quickly. Settle it quickly. Now, there was another time when Jesus got angry. It happened, not in a temple, but in a synagogue. Um, there was this guy at the temple who had a shriveled hand, uh, a guy in the synagogue. He, he had a shriveled hand. His hand wasn't, wasn't doing what it's meant to do. And the religious leaders, it was a Sabbath, so it was a Saturday. It was a day when you're not meant to work, and Jesus' ministry and work was healing people and teaching people. And there's this guy with a shriveled hand, and the religious leaders watched Jesus. They were watching to see, I wonder what Jesus is going to do, given that he's a healer and a teacher. What's he going to do with this guy who's got the shriveled hand? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so here's what Jesus does. Jesus asked the guy with the shriveled hand, could you please stand up? in front of everyone, so he gets him up in front of everyone in the synagogue. And then Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And the guy stretches out his hand. And, he's, and Jesus has healed him. And then let's look at what happens next. Mark 3, verse 5 to 6. It says, Jesus looked around at them in anger. Sorry, I missed that bit. I missed a bit. Jesus looked around at them in anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and they began to plot with the Herodians, who were the enemies of the Pharisees. <laughs> this is powerful stuff. And they decided how they might kill Jesus. They started a plot. 
You know what's really interesting in this story in Mark, Mark 3? Jesus gets angry at their stubborn hearts because they won't change in order to bring about healing and restoration for this guy. Jesus gets angry at their stubborn hearts, but then those people that he's angry with plot together with an enemy in anger with Jesus in order to kill him. The very thing that Jesus said, don't murder, don't get angry. This is very powerful. And we see it in this, we see it in this story. We see anger, Jesus' anger, and we also see the anger of the religious leaders, and there's a clash about what we should be angry about. And this is the challenge for us in discerning anger. Because the question I want to ask today is, what is, what is sanctified anger and what is sinful anger? What's the difference between sanctified anger and sinful anger. You see, the anger that Jesus has is a holy anger. It's a, it's a purified anger. It's, it's an anger that comes from what needs to be put right. And Jesus' anger leads always to restoration. All of Jesus' anger in the, in the scriptures that you see, it always leads to restoration of how things were meant to be. And so what a sanctified anger is, it's when you identify an injustice, when you identify mistreatment, when you identify something that is beyond yourself, that isn't about a personal offense, but, and, and that's with Jesus, that's what he does, it's not, a, it's not personal, he's thinking, his anger is about what's going on for others. That's a sanctified anger. But then there's sinful anger. And the sinful anger is normally happens when we're offended and when we're upset. And the sinful anger often is, um, it, it's often impure. And while Jesus' Jesus's anger leads to restoration, our anger, our sinful anger, often leads to destruction. And that's the, there's, there's the difference. It might be that we're angry at a broken promise or an attack on our character. But one of the things that has helped me is, and I'm still working on this, when I get angry, one of the things I'm starting to work on better is lowering my expectations of the other. Because often the reason we're angry is because our expectation is here. But the person I'm angry with may not have the capacity to do here. They might be able to do here. And what I need to do is lower my expectations. Now, I'm not saying you let people walk over you. I'm not saying that. You sometimes need to stand up and, and be assertive and clear. But you also need to recognize that sometimes, like the proverb says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. And we know what would happen if Warragamba Dam broke. There'd be a lot of destruction downstream. And we need to be aware of that. Sinful anger leads to destruction. And so what I want to encourage us to do today as we land this message is this. Pour the fuel on the sanctified anger and pour water on the sinful anger. Does that make sense? Where there's something that you know is about others and it's holy and good that that be changed and brought about better, 
that's what you need to put the fuel on and fan it into flame. But then with that stuff that's sinful anger, just pour water on it, cool it down, bring the temperature down, get control and do whatever you can to restore the relationship. You know, there's so many things that people are involved in today that fuel um, sanctified anger. There's people today who are fighting for against evil and injustice. There's a bunch of organisations like uh, Destiny Rescue that helps rescue uh, girls in in the tra- in the in the you know the sex trade and all that. There's people that are fighting for that. There's people fighting against the pornography industry, and that industry is doing horrendous damage in our society today. Um, in our in our in our suburbs today in Sydney, pornography is doing endless damage to the future of, of marriages and relationships. Horrible stuff that's going on that's being sown. And, and I, I don't, you know, if you're angry and passionate about that, go for it. Pour fuel on that sanctified anger. There are people who are passionate about um, helping people that are experiencing domestic violence. Uh, there are people who are passionate about helping people deal with addictions, gaming addictions, other addictions, alcohol addiction. There's so many addictions in our society today, but there's a bunch of people who are doing a great work in fighting that stuff that's wrong. And then when it comes to pouring water, well, maybe what do you do? You've got to lower your expectations, get some self-control. Here's the other thing when it comes to anger. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. The person you're angry with is a sinner and the person who's angry with you is a sinner. And the moment that we can recognise that, hey, we're all just human beings made in God's image, but we all get it wrong, that can help level the playing field. And then we can get off our high horse which we need to do from time to time. We also need to call people to account when they need to be called to account. But we need to be a people who deal with our anger well. Settle the issue quickly. Do what we can. Value worship above wealth. Value prayer above profit. Value ministry above money. Value the things that Jesus values because that's important.